frontline communities in Washington state have a voice at the 2022 UN Climate Conference in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, this month as farm worker advocate Edgar Franks joins a delegation of U.S.-based workers and environmental justice leaders to bear witness at this annual meeting and strategize with advocates from around the globe. In collaboration with Rainier Avenue Radio, Environmental Justice Coalition Front and Standard is producing this local to global report on the front lines. Hi everyone, this is Jill Mangaliman, stationed here in the Pacific Northwest as your climate justice storyteller, and I'm kicking off Front and Standard's frontline reporting in Sharm El Sheikh, Egypt, where folks are gathering for people on the planet at the UN 27th Conference on Climate Change. This is Crash the Cop 27 with Jill and Edgar. Shout out to Rainier Avenue Radio. Special thanks to Tony B and his team at Rainier Avenue Radio for broadcasting our frontline community reporting. And shout out to Environmental Justice Coalition Front End Centered for producing this local to global report on the front lines. Welcome to the On the Front Lines special edition Crash Cop 27 with Jill and Edgar. Hey, Edgar. <laughs> hey, Jill. How's it going? Oh, it's it's going. Um, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I'm working at a bakery in the mall. <laughs> it, it's yeah. Saturday, so lots of pandesal, lots of uh, empanadas. <laughs> I'm tired, <laughs> but good. All right. Good how, how, how has it been? You're, you're there? Good. Right now, we're just, uh, today was a kind of an easy day. Um, everybody's still coming in. So, um, yeah, we're going to, tomorrow we have actually our first kind of uh, meeting or uh, kind of the whole delegation. So, like, right now we're walking around a little area here, and you can definitely see people already with their badges and uh, all the different kind of NGOs that are showing up and um, representatives from different countries, like, that are going to be in the negotiations. Yeah. Tomorrow morning... After breakfast, we are going to head out to the UN uh, meeting space and start getting our badges to kind of um, kind of get that out of the way before Monday, which is supposed to be the official kickoff day. And um, don't be going to be stuck in line for like hours. So we're going to try to get everything done tomorrow. But yeah, everything has been pretty chill today. Nice. Yeah, hope you're getting some rest. That's a long flight, a long journey. I saw the picture of you yeah. like, laying down on the chairs <laughs> at the airport. Yeah, that was me almost like exhausted from all the traveling that we had. Just, was it? Yeah, like almost two days of travel. Almost. I can't remember. We left Thursday. We got in yesterday, like at four in the morning here. Well, when you're back in town, I'll bring you a big bag of uh, empanadas, okay? Ah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, today we also, you know, the Air Prairie coffee lovers over here. This is the, a nice place to have coffee, Turkish coffee, all sorts of different coffees. So, Charmel Shake has some good coffee here, just uh, um, Egypt in general. So, everybody come on down over here. Good to know. You're that coffee lovers. Uh... <laughs> 
Budget on your coffee. Um, what's it like in um, Charm El Sheikh? Yes, it's yeah. kind of a resort town, I guess. You can, people call it a resort town. Um, where we're at right now, it's really close to the beach, like on the Red Sea. It's like literally on the Red Sea. And um, um, if people ever been to, I mean, for me personally, if people ever gone to like Ensenada or Baja California, it kind of looks like that. Um, it's kind of like, uh, it's got like nice mountains in the background. Uh, it's desert. And then there's a very nice like beach and ocean and the sea here. Um, a lot, most of the folks here that travel are from Russia, it seems like. So it's kind of um, like they're Hawaii, um, like for what Americans would like, you know, if they want to get away sometimes they go to Hawaii, I think that's what it's like, explained to me. Like oh, people from like Russia, it's like they're kind of summer spot or like getaway spot for the winter. But yeah, it's, I mean, a lot of shops, like touristy shops and gift shops and a lot of pharmacies, a lot of pharmacies, um, a lot of food places. It's really good food. Um, yeah, and it's, it's pretty laid back. It's really nice. It's not really packed. Um, even considering there's a, a big influx of people from all around the world coming, it doesn't seem like very like congested. People can still move around, but tomorrow or Monday, we'll see how that changes. Then, what's that? I heard a rumor that folks were like moved out of the city, or what's the. Oh, yeah, that's kind of what we've been yeah. hearing because yeah. they had to reconstruct a lot of the things and renew a lot of the city. So, there was, if people hadn't been living here for the like the last three years or so, they were asked to, to move. Um, so yeah, um, and definitely there was like a lot of, you can tell there was a lot of construction, like the airport looks brand new and the roads look brand new, like everything, um, around, um, like the main areas looks like they just got constructed and a lot of new palm trees and everything. But yeah, definitely we did hear that about people getting moved out, um, to make way, um, um, for everybody that was going to be coming here. That's wild because, like, we know that yeah. like, you know, climate disasters displace people, but climate conferences as well. <laughs> <laughs> the heck? Hey, nothing you is know, safe. Nothing is safe, um, especially everyday people. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, while you're there, um, just take some photos. Like, maybe you can um, show some of the what's it like outside of the conference? the conference of parties uh before all the negotiations start uh like what's the vibe and yeah we do run into some locals uh, see what they think yeah yeah i'm curious about the red sea like if it's um changed how how it have it it's changed over the years because you know it's one of those uh like bodies of water that have been in the history books for so long you know um if mm -hmm. there's any like things that people have had to adapt or like what's the biodiversity like you know given climate change yeah. and economy yeah um i know like one of the folks from our delegation was saying that you could actually see like all the construction how it's been progressing for the last years on youtube so I think if you just look like YouTube Sharmel Shake construction, you'll be able to see a lot of like the how the city has changed even within the last year. 
and just the amount of labor power that went into that. You know, for sure, like, um, you know, here in uh, Seattle or Coast Salish Sea area uh, territory, Duwamish, the, the Duwamish River, you know, I've seen old uh, maps, photos of it. It used to be kind of like a, a meandering river. But mm-hmm. when, uh, when uh, settlers came in, uh, they basically straightened it out and, you know, made it uh, functional for, you know, port. Uh, for ships to come in and out, um, so they basically controlled it, and then eventually it it became so polluted with uh, toxins uh, from the different uh, burning industries. It's now one of the worst uh, super fun things. Right. Uh, no, I think yeah, I think it's that. always interesting about like even I was reading this book on the Washington Apple about just how the geography in Washington was, uh, or the ecosystem was totally changed just for, to accommodate apples, apple growth in um, Eastern Washington. Um, and just how environments have changed just like that. Um, and, and now we know that because of the, all the, how they shifted the environment. Now there's like droughts and like, it's, it's like, it's very, intensive in the way that it's using up water very extractive but all for the profit of you know growing these apples in a place that aren't native so yeah kind of like kind of that comes to mind like just how all these ecosystems and environments are like transformed for like this relatively short period of of economic gain um you know even like here, like this tourist town, like, you know, it's in a desert and just as much, how much water and resources and now um, how everything has been altered just for this one conference. So yeah, it just kind of brings that into mind. Dang. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> speaking like, it reminds me a few years ago um, when there was this terrible uh, storm at sea uh, in the Puget Sound and when the, um, fishing the salmon farms like broke free the nets and like 10,000 like Atlantic salmon which are not even it was like all the GMO the GMO fish escaped into the water and started messing everything up and then the the Lummi and and you know local tribes had to go and like clean it up like catch them all yeah because they're eating all the food of the Chinook and the local salmon you know yeah, I guess it was like oh. I mean, also affecting like, like killer whales, the diet of the killer whales, and all these other things too. Like just one thing, one bad thing was leading to another bad thing. So yeah, like just because of those things, but just because of those things, like all of our not like food systems, everything goes in, into jeopardy if you're the way that you're. If the purpose is just to make money or, uh, you know, corporate profits or what have you, um, the potential for that going wrong, which most of the time does, will will ultimately affect millions of people. And the people that are caused it aren't held responsible. Um, they can just move on and do another thing while everybody else has to deal and clean up with, with their mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think like about like history in general. Like since I don't know the like people have been on this earth. Like even like 
making stuff or producing stuff, food, shelter, tools, like nothing wrong with making stuff. In fact, like as I'm working at a bakery and making bread, I, I feel really good about it too. Like here I am like making something, you know, um, with my hands, <laughs> something in reality. Uh, but it's like when we start making it for, you know, not for sustaining ourselves or for like, you know, the purpose of, um, you know, uh, the, the good of, you know, for supporting the communities or, you know, um, helping each other. The, the purpose becomes um, about, you know, just money or a lot. Um, you become alienated from it. You become disconnected from what you're making. No. Yeah. Um, and I th yeah. think that's kind of the the mindset that we have to kind of get over with, right? I think in general, like even with rulemaking and laws, the economics usually trump everything else. They're like, you know, well, does this make economic sense? Or, you know, they do a lot of those, um, uh, what is that called, where uh, they evaluate um, mm -hmm. how much money they could lose or potentially... Right the i forgot what it was called there's like a there's like a a term for it um oh my god i forget like profit loss or something i forgot what it was called yeah, yeah. the net <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if there's economists out there they'll know what we're talking about where they evaluate yeah. like the danger of a situation and determine whether or not if the danger and the economic impact will um will you know if it'll make money or lose money even if it has like potential dangers a lot of insurance sure. companies do that yeah i forgot what it was called yeah, some sort of risk evaluation uh, risk i think that's what it is yeah you know there is so many risks with the type of um economy we do have right now like it's already sending our people and our planet to our demise you know like uh and folks have been talking about this you know uh, scientists have been talking about it since the 70s maybe yeah. as early as the 50s too you know just i think the first paper came out um it's not it's not a like a new concept either like the writing has been on the wall mm -hmm. um, yeah just i saw this um PBS thing, I think it was a PBS thing, I, I don't know, but it talked about um, Exxon, the world's richest corporation in the history of the world, about how, yeah, in the 70s, they did do a lot of science and research on oil and the impacts it had. And they determined that, um, you know, that oil and the production of oil was responsible for for climate change so they knew this all along but um you know they actually invested um millions and millions of dollars to look for alternative energy forms so you know they were some of the first actual like corporations to like invest in like uh solar panels and wind and look for these other things but um you know there was a decision that was made in the 80s to stop all that and bury the information um and you know exxon instead of looking for alternative oil was it exxon or chevron i can't remember but there's a pbs thing um uh that people can check out where they you know made a decision and they were like uh 
nope, we're just going to go ahead and uh, um, all these other technologies don't make as much money, actually lose money for us. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and scrap all those projects and, and dedicate all of our resources into um, oil exploration and processing and refining and all and everything. So yeah, they knew all of this information since the seventies, but they have been burying it. And, you know, they've all funded like climate denier conferences and all these other things that kind of confuse people. So yeah, there's a, there definitely was knowledge of this for a long, long time. Yeah. And, and now like, instead of doing like systems change or like shifting the course of fossil fuels completely, there's more exploration talks about it. I heard Biden share that, um, that he wanted to look into oil uh, in the, you know, Alaska or even in Texas, just like to, mm -hmm. so that he, we wouldn't have to like rely on other countries. And then there's also, you know, like the propping up of like, oh, just buy a, just buy an electric car. Um, just kind of totally, you know, using again, like, like here, just buy stuff. <laughs> Um, instead of yeah. looking at who are the worst proponents of pollution, you know, just because you buy a, a, a electric car doesn't mean, you know, it's going to stop the oil exploration, it's going to stop the burning. Uh, it's really these bigger players, these bigger polluters that need to take responsibility. Honestly, can't afford an electric car. <laughs> Yeah. I remember when my car broke down, um, I, I was driving this uh, Toyota Camry up to Bellingham. It was, uh, during that trip, I was coming to visit y'all, and it broke down. Uh, I couldn't, honestly could not afford a new, new new car, so I ended up by getting a, you know, a used car. Um, so it's the least that uh, uh, governments can do is figure out like ways to help folks get more fuel efficient cars. Uh, like in California, they had a trade-in system. Um, you know, just something, just so that the uh, working folks can get some more, uh, can save too. <laughs> it's, it's gas, gas guzzling cars are so expensive and so hard to maintain, but it's what, it's what we're left with, you know? Have you ever watched that movie, um, Who Killed the Electric Car? <laughs> no, not yet. You should check it out. Uh, anyone listening, uh, I totally recommend this uh, documentary. It's it's about like a car industry actually, like in the early 2000s, late 90s, like already having the tech to have electric cars, but again, similarly burying it so that they can continue um, making very fuel like that. Uh, continue the way things are just because it's more profitable mm -hmm. and more have you met any uh cool folks from other areas so far um from like other areas around the world yeah not yet we barely yeah yeah today was just everybody was just recovering from their trips um mm -hmm. But no, we walked around a little bit here and met some of the local folks and just, you know, looked for water, <laughs> looked for bottled water, I guess. Um, uh, and just kind of looked around the, the little bit of the vicinity here. 
but now most everybody was just resting today. Um, tomorrow, I think we'll have an opportunity to start meeting. Um, on the airplane and stuff, we did meet a lot of the people from around the world. Um, on our airplane from Istanbul here, there was people from Venezuela that I got to talk to for a bit. Um, yeah, there were people from my like, Turkey that were coming in. So I haven't really had a chance to like really have like deep conversations, but just other than just like, you know, like where are you from and why are you here kind of stuff. But yeah, hopefully tomorrow we'll start running into more people and uh, having more deeper conversations about, you know, what their countries or what their areas um, are doing around climate. Is there anything in particular you want to see while you're out there? Um, I do. Um, more out of curiosity, I, inside the COP, there is um, uh, the pavilion where countries and like uh, nonprofits, NGOs, non-governmental organizations set up like uh, displays. Um, and I, I kind of want to see some of, there's a just transition pavilion there, but from what we heard, it's not very good. So we wanted to go check it out to see what it's about and just ask questions about what a just transition means um, there and see if, you know, there's some alignment or still lots of work to do. Um, there's also like these big green organizations that have been pushing for offsets and nuclear energy and like all these other things that, you know, they have, they're very prominently featured um, in these pavilion spaces. So kind of interested to kind of seeing what the conversations are like there. But yeah, it's mostly, yeah, uh, kind of looking around to see what, you know, um, kind of the, the things that are gonna be talked about like during negotiations, um, if how that is influencing the, the like the nonprofit groups or the, the civil society groups. Nice, yeah, yeah, get some, uh, get some, uh intel and yeah. see what's up um yeah and if you see anyone else from seattle uh, or the northwest yeah be sure to take a selfie with them yeah 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 i think last year um folks were not a, not a whole lot of our folks were out there in uh in glasgow but there was some there were some of us out there um so be cool you might run into some of our some of our friends and maybe some of our frenemies. Um. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, seeing what, uh, like who from Washington is here is always interesting. Um, so I'm probably, I don't know if Jay Inslee is coming or who from the, our state government is coming. I know maybe some representatives will be here. Um, so um, we wanna see if we can run into them and just let them know that we're here, that we're paying attention. And I still, I, I hope I run into like more like farm worker groups or immigrant rights groups. I know human rights is going to be a huge thing here. So I want to also explore that and talk to more people that are doing work on human rights and immigrant and farm worker rights. Yeah, I mean, especially since, you know, um, the tax on land defenders has been really uh, increasing over the years, um, especially indigenous folks or farmers, peasant folks, um, workers who are, you know, just trying to 
defend their livelihood, defend the land, their ancestry land, or no, no, uh, and and having to face uh, state repression or militarization. Um, be good to see if there are any, uh, yeah, any uh, uh, accounts um, or testimonials. Uh, yeah, I know for sure, like, you know, the top places where land defenders or environmentalists have been attacked and killed have been like Brazil and the Philippines. Um, so just keep your ears and eyes open and yeah, hope you can support that folks getting lifting up their stories. I'm happy to air them on here too. Yeah, of course. I know I've been talking to a lot of the folks from our delegation here, so I'm lining them up to have like some quick, quick interviews to also like share a little bit about themselves. So I think our group is pretty cool. Um, today we met some of the other folks. They came in from Florida, um, from Florida um, Labor and Immigrant Coalition, I think, and Florida Jobs, Central Florida Jobs with Justice. So. Um, we're gonna, I'll try to see if we can get some quick um, interviews with some of the whole delegation here from the Just Transition Alliance. Sounds good. Well, I have to get back to the, the kitchen and sling some All more right. uh, on the saw, but... Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Well, take care, Jill. I'll talk to you. Okay, bye. Bye. This reporting of... COP27 is part of a collaboration with Rainier Avenue Radio and is also part of a new environmental justice podcast, On the Front Lines. The first season of On the Front Lines explores people's movements in the Philippines, cooperative farms, frontline community health in Washington, the dangers or false solutions such as nuclear energy and carbon markets, the promise of the Just Transition Framework, and a project celebrating the untold stories of Nikkei farmers in Bellevue. 10 episodes feature local and global guests, including frontline advocates, organizers, workers, filmmakers, artists, and more. Look for the podcast via website at frontendsummer.org or search for On the Front Lines, available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Anyways, that's all for now. See you soon on Crash the Cop with Jill Negri.